Good evening, James. Good evening, Gregor. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. The sun is shining here. The football's on. I know that's not of interest to you, but it's interesting. Um, I knew you were going to mention football because, yeah. you know, my nation takes on yours tomorrow. No, no, no. See, no, this, this program is going to... Or your chew. nation takes on mine, whichever way around right, you okay, want Okay, okay, let's do this properly. Okay, so, first of all... I don't know. First, There's a load of blokes on a field right. kicking a ball. Don't ask me any more technical questions. Right. First of all, and this is very important in the context of things, uh, we've got your number tonight because there's two Scotsmen. Oh, you've brought we've back got, up. We've got one Englander and a Scotsman. So I would like to welcome, and I'm sure you would too. I would. Uh, and this must be a podcast first here. A podcast has had 100% of its listenership on the show's guests. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to extend a big spot to welcome to Stuart McElwain. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So, now, you've already made an arse of the intro, uh, James, so we're going to do this properly. So, this is going out on Tuesday, isn't it? So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I would just like to say congratulations to the Scotland team for an excellent <laughs> victory on Friday night against England. What do you think, Stuart? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 2-0, yeah. easy. Okay, so that's the first one. We'll do another one. Um, so do I have to do the opposite one now? You have to do the opposite one now, yeah. Right, so I'll say I'd like to give a big congratulations to the England football team for absolutely stomping Scotland on Friday. Yeah, so well done. Go sports ball. Yeah, okay, so we've got that. Do you want to know what time break-off is tomorrow, James, in case you want to watch it? I really couldn't care less. Actually, yeah, what time? Because I need to go to the supermarket, so that'll be a good time to go out. 8 o'clock, but there won't be a left in the supermarket at 8 o'clock. Oh, that's all right. I got some of that tonight. Um, so, importantly, what are you drinking tonight, Gregor? Uh, I have started... Well, do you want, do you want a preview? Or do you want to Yeah, go on. Okay, so I've started with my usual Williams uh, or Caesar Augustus. Okay. So I've got a couple of different ones tonight. Are you pulling those out of an ice bucket? I'm, I'm all sexy. How posh are you? It means I don't have to get up to the fridge. Uh, now, For the listeners at home, when I said, are you pulling those out of an ice bucket, Gregor literally lifted an ice bucket up and held it up to the camera. So, uh, I don't know if you've seen... I doubt you get this one very easily, James, but you might have seen a sheer Martinez today. Obvious. This is a fair deal. Never had it. Yeah, I got this in Sainsbury's. And I've also got another Loch Ness one for tonight called Snazziness, which is a, described as a Bohemian Lager. A Bohemian Lager? It's described very clearly as a Bohemian Lager. Okay. So, I shall give tasting notes if you guys are well, let's Absolutely. find out what Stuart's drinking first. Oh, well, I'm just boring. I've got water. I'm on a school oh. night. Oh, no. Do you know what it is? It's Ronaldo, isn't it, Stuart? You're doing a Ronaldo. 
I, I might need more help with that reference. Oh, it's been everywhere. Ronaldo sat down at a press conference after the game, and there was two bottles of Coca Cola in front of him, obviously, the sponsors. Mm-hmm. And he had grabbed the two bottles of Coca Cola, pushed them to the side, and held up a bottle of water. And Agua! Like that in the state. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. I'm doing a Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, my inspiration. So, yeah. this, this is being off to a great start here. We really are. This has been the most professional one I think we've done so far. <laughs> it, it's, that's not a high standard to beat, though, really, is it? Sorry, Stuart, what were you saying? Sorry, don't sell yourself short. I thought the, the last one was pretty professional. Wasn't meant to be. But, um, <laughs> it's a bit like I, I, went, I, went, I was once training for a marathon, and the advice uh, I ended up I couldn't do the marathon because my knees packed up and never could do it. Uh, someone says to me, the best advice I can give you when you're running a marathon is to start slow and then go slower. Um, so we started low and are going lower. That's, that's where. It's a consistent. Yeah. Um, so, well, it's the Zindi tonight, isn't it? So, yes, apparently. Yeah. So, Stuart, are you about... We were told we had free reign, but then I think JJ panicked and changed his mind and went, no, no, wait, what have I done? What a ridiculously stupid idea. Yeah. Let's give him a topic. Yeah, if there's a topic, it's going to make a difference. Um, <laughs> so, Stuart, are you up against the price for I am indeed, yes. It took me a few rewatches to actually get into Enterprise, but yeah, I think it's probably my second favourite now. Yeah. What's your first favourite? TNG. Oh, we'll allow that. Yeah. You can stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't. You didn't say Voyager, so you're all right. <laughs> so, how long have you been watching Star Trek? Um, well, I can remember it being on the television from very young. I don't know why it was on, but it was just on. I think it was BBC Two or showing reruns, so it was about like four or five um, at that stage. Um, so I've been watching it since then. Uh, Gone to the movies um, after that. Star Trek Two is still my favourite movie of all time. Um, then I came across Encounter at Farpoint in the video store and. My supposed to be mum to sort of rent it for the evening. Took it home, watched it, and I wasn't impressed, in fairness. Um, I was baffled at why the ship was coming apart. Don't know why there's a clinger on the bridge. Um, so I wasn't too impressed with it. Um, so I was decided I wasn't going to watch it until I was catching like the last like 15 minutes of like season three of TNG and like again BBC Two. And I thought, ah, it seems pretty decent. Um, until I came across the ending to Best of Both Worlds. And I thought, um, after us all, Riker's firing the beam at the board ship, and the TV continued, that's when I knew I had to find out more. Uh, so when Sky started showing it all from the start again, um, I pursued my dad to let me watch it all. That's me, I was, I was hooked ever since. Um, watched all of TNG, it was constant in a loop. Um, watched DS9 during its run, Voyager, Enterprise, and continued to watch Star Trek to this day. I found DS9 during my run quite frustrating because it tended not to show it in order. Because I think Yeah, I think they, they had a, a... It was roughly in order, but I do think that by the time we got to like season 6, 7 kind of thing, they seemed to have got their act together, if I remember rightly. 
Well, by that time, I sorry, by that time I was um, going to a Star Trek club down in Air. We were getting um, there's a guy down there who's getting like um, videotapes sent across from the states uh, months in cool. advance. So every like, two or three months, we would me and my friend would go down there, watch the latest Deep Space Nine Voyager month before it came out here on um, television. So that was sort of um, nice. We joined every sort of two or three months going down to Air on the train to go and see yeah, the Star Trek. That sounds cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, as far as Enterprise goes, I remember I watched it to begin with because I think it was on Channel Four at first. Um, and I, I mean, I don't think the first two seasons were great. I don't think they were bad by any manner of means. I think they were just a mm-hmm. little bit lacklustre. Well, Enterprise came out. It just had the Dominion War. It had Roof, you know, the Borg, um, and First Contact. Uh, so, you know, actual negotiating trade, trade deals with freighters wasn't exactly uh, government keen stuff. Mm. Um, and, and then when it went to Sky, I didn't have Sky TV, so in this season's three and four, it was about 15 years before I saw, maybe not quite 15 years because I haven't taken it to 20, it was at least about 12 years before I actually got around to watch the season three and four. Um, mm-hmm. And it was 12 years that I missed, basically. Mm-hmm. What about you, James, in it? What was your Uh, bit like you started watching it when it was um, broadcast originally on, I don't know if it was Channel 4, it sounds about right, feels like that sort of thing. Um, But then I started collecting the VHS cassettes, Uh, so I'd go down to HMV every time a new one was released and go and buy it on release day. because sometimes they came out before it had been on TV and sometimes mm-hmm. after, and it was a bit... Um, so I followed them as they came out on VHS. So yes, I didn't have access to Sky either, but I just kept on buying them as they came out on um, VHS. Although they did that really annoying thing of season one, they all looked pretty, they all lined up nicely and had a p- pattern going across them. Season two, they started following the same pattern until halfway through season two when they changed the design on the VHS cassette tapes. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You've just ruined my collection. So I got mad at them for that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kept up with it on, on VHS and loved it. Um, absolutely nothing to do with the fact that uh, season one, episode one, I saw... Um, trip and thought, yeah, I'm going to watch this. So, do you think there was enough episodes with Trip in the decon? No, no. Trip should have been in the decon for about 43 minutes of every episode. With Dr. Flops watching through the window. Yeah, that was always a little bit pervy, wasn't it? <laughs> Enterprise you did have Trip win about the ship in his underwear, saving ship at one point as well. Yeah. Yeah, what way was that then? That was, I think it was a Ferengi one. I don't know, but I, I distinctly have a very strong memory of Trip running running down one of those corridors in those blue wife and some vest. Yeah, I, I sort of remember that. And he got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just by putting his hands in the potpourri, didn't he? Well, I always knew potpourri was a bad thing. Don't put your hands in potpourri, you'll get pregnant. They're like them. It, it, it just reminded me of those. Do you remember back in like the 90s when there were them bath pearl things? Mm-hmm. 
It just reminded me of those, that stuff that he sticks his hands in. So, Stuart, what we're going to do now is JJ's not here, but the audience don't know that because you know, they, they can't see anything. So, I, I, I want you to ask, say, so JJ, what, what do you think about Enter Brass? And, and I'll answer for JJ. So, okay. So, JJ, what do you think of Enterprise? Uh, eh, lad, eh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Uh, I call myself a Star Trek fan, and I've never seen DS9 or Enterprise. What do you think? And Voyager's my favourite. Voyager, Voyager, l- fucking love Threshold. Fucking love it. <laughs> that wasn't a bad impression. I thought we was in the room with us. <laughs> So I wonder if he'll listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will. He will. So, um, so I guess season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, three. Season three or season four? What's your favourite? Enterprise. Season, season four is my favourite. Um. I'll be honest with you, I've kind of got issues with the whole Zindi war thing because if we're going by the whole Roddenberry thing, then we should be beyond war by that point. So I was kind of annoyed initially with the Zindi war arc, but on a rewatch again, um, I think it is, I think it was it's kind of a polarizing point for Enterprise. I think it, it gave them something to sort of coalesce around um, the crew as well. And gave them a sort of their big bad um, and a sort of shared peril, and I think that that really comes through um, in season three. So, um, with season three, I think is decent on a rewatch, but when I initially saw it, I wasn't too thrilled with it. So, season four would be my favourite. I, mean, I, I like season three, and I've seen John Burns talking about his dislike. Season three because obviously a lot of it was based in the aftermath of 9 11 mm-hmm. in the War on Terror. Uh, and like you alluded to, John Burns lived in the that's particularly Roddenberry is. Yeah. I've got a slightly disagree because I think it was a lot bit more nuanced than that when you look at how the, the war was resolved mm-hmm. by a combination of a factions from within and actual. His openness to believe that it, not all Zindi were like that. So I think that did bring the modern greatest element into, into that story. No, I can see that. What did you think, what did you think JJ? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I I liked the, the um, Zindi version of Space Whales. They were quite cool when, when, when they lived in the magic fish tank. Oh, they're quarters. Yeah. Yeah, they were quite cool. Uh, but I, I'd much rather have had more Sulaban. I really liked the Sulaban. It was like, I'm going to turn invisible and knife you in your sleep. That was much more fun. Yeah, it was one of the things that Enterprise, on reflection, did quite well. A lot of people, again, have this aversion, if you like, to the, the Temporal Cold War and the Sulaban's involvement in it. Oh, I really like the Temporal Cold War. I, l- I love timey-wimey stuff. Yeah, I thought I actually going to be... Um, just an excuse for like lazy writing. Um, for example, when they introduced the Ferengi when they shouldn't have, I thought they was going to explain it by, oh, Temple Cold War, Temple's been messed up. But again, looking back, I think the Temple Cold War was underutilised 
to a great extent. I think because I've had a great, uh, a lot more emphasis on it, especially with like, the Solings being involved at one point. Yeah. It was supposed to carry on longer, wasn't mm-hmm. it, the Temple of Cold War? Didn't they have to kind of wrap it up really quickly because they got cancelled? I think it probably would have. If they had got another three seasons, I think it probably would have featured at some point. Um, but again, if you look at the, the showrunners, the first two seasons, and then when Manny Koto came in in season three and decided that he was going to um, change it, and then in season four, just, you know, being a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a play with this, and I'm going to introduce all these things of old, and you know, we, we tell the stories uh, of how, of, this is my version of how we got to the Federation. But I think that's what a lot of people forget when they do talk about the Enterprise. There is no Federation, mm-hmm. there is only Starfleet, yeah. and a kind of friendly relationship with the Balkans. Um, I think that was... Friendly? <laughs> well, I think we mentioned, I think we spoke about some of the difficulties between humans and Balkans in another ep- previous episode. James Clark. I'd be cover all kind, actually, let's be honest. I'd cover all kind of episodes. So, what, what do you think, JJ? Don't know, haven't seen it. Um, anyway, we've been on topic for far too long. Gregor, uh-huh. what did you think of the new trailer for Picard? Uh, well, I, 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 we, Stuart and I had a, a short conversation we did. about this on. You're not allowed to do that. That counts as planning. I mean, we're a well-planned, um, rehearsed podcast. Okay. I promise it won't happen again. And as we speak, I'm lifting my phone to defriend Stuart just to ensure that, okay? Yeah. Okay, now that's Good. that done. Okay. Uh, but go on. Well, I have reservations. Uh, I think I'll talk about... Colour me shocked. I'll talk about... I mean, if they're going to bring Q back, I hope they do it properly. That's, I mean, it's not like I want it to be bad. I, I do, I want it to be good. Um, I mean, I thought even the fact, the line that they threw in there, that they, they dropped in there when Q says to get old, and then he turns up and he's aged up as well. To be honest, I quite bought that because, because of the affinity that Q has for Picard. Yeah. Also, we've got no choice because we are stuck with the fact that John Delancey got old. Yeah, and, so they're going to have to find somewhere. Yeah, and, and they didn't make a great job of data space in season one. So, um, no. So let's let's not try that one again. Uh, a little bit again. We've got a series where it looks like it's the end of the world as we know it. Are you sure? Sort of came back at me on Facebook on that one. Um, so I don't know if you want to. Say something about what well, your feelings are about this season. Yeah, sure. I'll jump in there. Um, so, I don't think it's a feature unique to Picard and Discovery. I think there's always existential threats to the Federation, be it in force contact. The Borg went to basically assemble the Federation. You've got VG in the motion picture, would basically have destroyed Earth, which would have destroyed the Federation. You've got the, the, the probe in Star Trek Four again. We destroy the Federation. Does Indy themselves bring it back on topic? Want to destroy humanity? So, I don't think it's necessarily something that's unique to like New Trek. But I do take your point on board that 
with Discovery and Picard, it's always some big, big bad. But I was again thinking about this the other day. Um, I think other TBCs have done similar things. I mean, uh, for example, Buffy um, always had like a big bad that they fought through the whole season, um, and it got substantially harder to beat this villain. So, firstly, she's taken on some old vampire. Then it's Angelus, who's like the baddest vampire ever. Then it's a demon. Then it's a half thing. So eventually she fights a god. So I don't think it's a, a thing that's unique to Star Trek, but it does get a bit wearing at times. I can take a point on board, Rigger, that it's always some big, massive threat that's going to destroy all life in the galaxy. And it can get a bit tiresome at times. I mean, I mean I, I, again, I, I thought the last show, a lot of the more vociferous detractors of the card, I'm not going to name names, um, and Discovery. But moaned about a lot of things in the last book, uh, Card and Discovery, that I think was just stupid. Moaning about the mm-hmm. show, moaning about the light, moaning about this. I think that's all um, rubbish, actually. I really quite like local mm-hmm. programs. I really quite like the music in Discovery, with less keen on the music in the card, but I think I've got a lot of conscious bias going on. I really love the opening music to Picard. Really like it. It could be worse. It could be the opening music to Enterprise. Just remember, it could always be the opening music to Enterprise. JJ, can, can, can you sing the theme tune to, to Enterprise? I don't know what James is talking about. Or I don't know. I haven't seen it. So, um, <laughs> I feel like we need to buy you a JJ puppet. <laughs> so... I mean, I, I want it to be good. I, get, I, I should be more excited than I am. Um, Did you spot your favourite Romulan? The, the Irish one. Your sexy Irish Romulan. Did you spot I, her in the in the? No, that was no, that was my favourite Romulan. I thought you liked the sexy Irish no, one. No, no, I, I liked Marissa. I mean, the character was goddamn awful, moustache twirling. Villain that was poorly written, but I didn't like her a lot. Oh, sorry, she's dead. I yeah, thought no. you liked the other one. <laughs> no. I was disappointed that we didn't get to see more of those two, the Romulan housekeepers of the castle. But you will do now because she's been in the trailer. I saw her face. Yeah, hopefully, they don't dump them, which would have been quite interesting if they had gone on. Is it La Serena? They have been part of the crew for La Serena. Yeah. I, I did say, just just for... Uh, it's already on record. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to a previous episode. can't remember which one. But I did say that I sp- suspect that they were going to bring her back in season two. Well, they didn't kill them, did they? So... No. Yeah. He just buggered off on his jolly days and mm-hmm. didn't take them yeah. with him. Which, given that they were highly trained assassins, I would have thought they'd be quite useful in the mission at the, the right one. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't have been massively useful for, for Ricard, I don't think, because I think they would have just killed every single one of the rest of the crew. Ah, uh, and that was uh, Lord of the Rings guy's job, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what Space Legolas has to do. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still trying to work my way through season three of Discovery. Have you still not watched uh, it yet, Gregor? You shit! It causes me great pain. I'll back up nice. Discovery is sometimes a bit of a tough watch. It's, 
if, if for all the reasons that I've said before, James, this guy's a, I'm really finding it difficult to watch. And it's compounded because I find other stuff, to, you know, it's, it's peers, if you like. I'm not comparing it to old Star Trek, it's peers, which are just so well done. I had a sex bee today at work. Do, do you really want to tell us this? Uh, Be careful, if HR catch you, you're going to get sacked doing that at well, work. I was, I was watching YouTube during my lunch break, so I'm not dodgy already. Yeah, but if you're still on the premises... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was watching... <laughs> it was when I was finished. Um, no. I was watching a Ronald D. Moore interview on YouTube one night uh, less than a week ago, and he was talking about for all mankind, and his plan is for it to run for seven seasons. I have no idea how he's going to get it to run for seven seasons from where it is at the end of season two, but his plan is to make it run for seven seasons. And when he said that, I had a sex. Does it follow that horrible, annoying modern day format of a series only being eight to ten episodes long? It's ten episodes. I hate it. Episodes are ten. Uh, the seasons are ten episodes long, but the episodes are generally a minimum of an hour. I still so, hate it. Can we go back to having 22, 43 minute long episodes, please? Uh, I don't really ask this. Because you've actually got time to explore characterization and things oh, properly. Oh, God, for all my time, it's that. But I mean, if you want, you know, 43 minutes, 22, 43 minute episodes, you better speak to Mr. Kurtzman. Kurtzman. Kurtzman, sorry. Um, I don't think it's his decision. I think that's above his pay grade. Mm, it was paid very well for it. Uh, so, I mean, I presume. I mean, what, what did you think of the. Because we started this argument last night on Facebook. What did you think of the <laughs> Um Season one, Picard, yeah. Well, if we start with the trailer first. The trailer. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by the trailer. Um, I think what we did with Q1 was um, really quite inventive. I'm quite. Um, Delancey actually looks pretty decent for his age. I found like a trailer. Um, also, there's a few snippets here and there. I think Picard at one point looks like he's in Starfleet because he's got like a combined Delta on his jacket. Um, he's at one point he's in a podium and sort of an admiral uniform, but it's a different one from the last time. So, um, Seven's obviously in it with Borg implants. So, I'm intrigued by what's going to happen. Obviously, I'm a bit cautious myself, Gregor. Um, I'm very protective of my trek, especially my captain as well. So. I did like season one of Picard um, overall. There was some bits in that I wasn't happy with, some bits I was happy with. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just a bit annoyed that we have to wait until next year before it comes out. I, I mean, I think, I think there was hints, um, most obviously, Q's the biggest thing, you know. Like we see Seven without an implant and looking strangely in the middle of the person implant and Picard, mm-hmm. Picard and the uniform and things like that. I think the, the hint there is that we're if not going to get different timelines, we're going to get some sort of vers- multiverses or different timelines mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, a sort of an expansion of tapestry in the way that season one That's, we, there's definitely a field for that, yeah. Which is a very cute thing yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I presume you're incredibly excited. 
yeah. Of course I am. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that Q brings Hugh back, but I think that maybe New Trek has brought too many Hughes back from the dead so far, so we might not be allowed to have another one. I'm hoping so, because that was a pointless death. That was my main mm. issue with Picard was killing Hugh. It really wound me up. It was that, and it was to the point where I may have screamed "What the actual fuck!" at the television when I was watching it. That was the episode that actually lost me on Picard. Because I wouldn't say I was loving it up till then, but I was of the opinion that they hadn't closed it up up until that episode. Mm. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the killing of Hugh. It was the seven putting herself back into the Borg, and you think. You know, if you're a Trek fan, you know the significance of that. I mean, this, this, this could really go places here. Um, and then all the board being sucked out at seven and putting herself two minutes later and the whole thing was done. That's not just a fault of the car, that's something that Discovery has done as well quite frequently. They'll introduce an idea and then dump it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of my issues with the writing. Welcome. I think one of their issues, again, is that restriction of ten one-hour episodes. I don't think that gives them enough time to fully explore something to the way that like DS9 would have explored it. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I look at the Discovery too, and we still don't know all the names. This is a discussion that we have. Still not decided who our core players are because the jump around, you know, the the one that killed in season two. Uh, is it? Arium. Um, Arium, you know. Um, she, was a, she was an exposition to add an extra in the background, and then they decided to, like, to do something with her and killed her at the end of that episode. So again, it was introducing something only to end that idea very quickly. And, you know, for nothing other than shock factor. Um, and this is one of my issues. In terms of not character development, sorry to pick on you here, James. If you want, feel free. You watch for all mankind, and the character development in that is unbelievable. Over ten episodes, admittedly, a lot of the episodes are more than another long. Okay, so there is a lot in each episode. Each episode is essentially a mini movie. I think the shortest one I've seen was about fifty-six minutes. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the development of some of the characters in that. Uh, and the last, the, the last episode of For All Mankind, season two, scored 9.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Phenomenally high score. And it's like, it's shocking. It's a shocking, it's a brilliant episode. Brilliant, brilliant right? But it's, it was... I do need to get round to watching that at some point. It was nine episodes in the making. That's it. It took nine episodes to get you there. It's not a case of you can dip mm. in and out. It was... Everything came together in those last two episodes, particularly the last one. And, and just was shit what's happened. It's the best Star Trek prequel ever. Have you seen it, Stuart? I have not, no. I don't have Apple TV. I've heard good things about it, though. Yeah, it's phenomenal. You've only heard good things about it because you've been listening to Gregor for a few months. That could be it. 
every single, I kid, <laughs> listen, I kid, kid you not, every single person I have recommended it to has come back and said to me, I can't believe I've never heard of this program. That was amazing. I, I, also, I may have enjoyed it excessively because I've done a lot of reading up on the moon program and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've lived through a lot of the historical events that happened that they tell in an alternate way. Yeah. Is this where you tell us what it was like when you watched the moon landing live on telly when you were younger? <laughs> when, Neil Armstrong land, when Neil Armstrong landed in the TV studio. You were at university, weren't you, by that point, Gregor? We have a fake moon landings. I wasn't born. So, yeah. Ask, so, ask JJ if he's watched uh, Full Mountains. No, JJ hasn't even finished Star Trek yet. So, why do you think JJ hasn't watched Enterprise of the US Because he's lacking in taste? Has he watched The Orville, do you reckon? I've, oh, I'll have to hold my hand up and see I've got some more. Have you not? It, it's very mm-hmm. good. I don't agree with the people who say it is Star Trek. It's blatantly based on the next generation. It's it's a rip-off of the next generation. Um, but it no, is very good. Is it Star Trek? Is it, have you seen it? I've seen the, the Orville, yeah. Um, I think by accident, Sarah McFarlane created a decent Star Trek-esque show. It did start off as a comedy in the early episodes, but I think later on... then Luckily, they dropped yeah, that quickly. <laughs> um, it's actually been a half-decent sci-fi show. Purely by accident. So, so played Star Trek guest on it as well, hasn't he? Or isn't it? Well, he's been he's been in Star Trek anyway. He was, he was in Enterprise. Isn't Penny Johnson? She's a doctor. JJ, if you're listening, Penny Johnson plays Cassidy Yates in Deep Space Nine, but you haven't got that far yet. Don't don't worry, Gregor. I'll get around to it. Don't tell, don't, don't, no, he won't even know who Cassidy Yates is. No, he won't. Uh, yeah, that's quite sad. So, Cassidy Yates, JJ, um, that's um, Nog's future girlfriend from about season six. That's right, yeah. Oh, that's who she is, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember now who Cassidy Yates is. Thank you, Memory Alpha. So, anyway, Zindi. What are people's favourite flavour of Zindi? Because uh, you've got a few to choose from. Please bear with us. Your your listenership is important to us, and maybe at some point Gregor will well, I, I, decide which sort of Zindi he likes. Well, to be straight up with you, four of them are pretty superfluous in terms of you never meet a major character. Well, you you'll struggle to meet an yeah, avian. I, um, 
So it was really I can't remember the character's name, but he was the main, the chief protagonist for Archer. Commander Dolan. Uh, and he was a, a, a uh, he was the Arboreal. Oh, a digger. So it was the most, yeah, yeah the, the, the most humanoid in appearance. Uh, I don't know. Aren't the primates a little bit yeah. more humany than the arboreals? Oh, I said certainly primate. What's his face? Degra. Degra. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go talk about the episode because it's 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 very. What's uh, it? It's very Guantanamo Bay. Uh, What's the episode called? I'm going to describe it to you. I can't remember the name of the episode. It's one of these uh, one of these ones that I don't remember the name of the episode. Uh, Degla and Archer are in the fake shuttle. Mm-hmm. So Degla's uh, Archer's captive, and they're trying to get information out of him. And it's all the, it's all subterfuge and things like that. Uh, and it's very sort of cafeteria and the type of stuff that the Americans were doing. In terms of an intelligence operation against Al Qaeda at the time, but also it did sort of introduce that little scene that I alluded to earlier about um, Archer not thinking that you know that all Cindy are bad. It's like to see that scene, and then obviously the reverse was true with Decker and his experience of Archer. That actually maybe we are being manipulated here, and I, I need to find out a bit more about this. You're normally on the ball with your episode uh, names, Gregor. I've got it here, Gregor. It's Stratagem. It's just reminded me of a conversation that Gregor and I had before Stuart um, joined earlier on tonight. Stuart, are you really good at Google, or are you like a Star Trek encyclopedia in your brain? And depends what Star Trek it is. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I looked that one up on IMDb, um, so that one was a kind of a cheat, but a lot of time, because I've just watched Star Trek over and over again, um, yeah. I just remember things. Cool. Um, and I read a lot of like Star Trek books and things, so it kind of sort of yeah. all goes in. I, I, I struggle with the books, because I struggle then to remember what's real and what's not. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I get you. Um, so I tend not to read too many. I've I've read some, and then I was like, this is kind of diluting my knowledge of what's real and what isn't. So I've I've not read very many. Um, although interestingly, on Memory Alpha, um, there is a reference to the book, the Star Trek federation the first 150 years right which now. apparently states that the zindi were federation members by 2311 so that's like a don't remember that in depth but that's about, it's a good book actually that's about 60 years before TNG, isn't it? yeah yeah i don't remember seeing any funky insectoids uh sorry reptilians on um insectoids would have been really weird but the reptilians, I don't remember seeing any of them on the Bridge of the Enterprise, oh, it's not so, fair. Because they're cool. Well, a good, the reptilian ones are awesome. There's a good explanation for that. Uh, it's one, um, when they wrote TNG, the Zindi had to be invented, even though they were in the Federation at the time. 
don't come at me with your actual linear time is, is a real thing. Come and on. Two, when Star Trek TNG first started, they just didn't have the budget for the prosthetics, etc., mm. for that kind of species. And then by the time they had the budget towards the end of TNG, they were spending it on Patrick Stewart. So. <laughs> That's a blatant lie. He still looks about the same no, age as he did I was then. Spending the budget on his wages. That's what. All oh, right. I, th- I thought you meant on his prosthetics no, no, to keep him looking no, young. Spending it on his wages. Yeah, every penny. Because I- I- I'm sure that man sleeps in a cryogenic chamber. Because my goodness, he doesn't look like he's aged a day since he finished TNG. Yeah, I think he's always looked after himself. Yeah. I was watching. It's on the BBC iPlayer, the, the TV series Tinkertaylor Soldier Spy. I don't know if any either of the two of you are familiar with the story at all. Well, I fell asleep in the cinema because I found the film so terribly boring I actually fell oh, asleep. I loved the film. Absolutely awful. It was nearly as bad as the Bourne, whichever one it was I went to see. What? That was also one that I fell asleep. Bourne Identity. Yeah. That, that, that sent me to sleep. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy sent me to sleep as well. I wasn't impressed. Oh, I love that. Well, in the TV series, uh, Patrick Stewart plays the Russian spy. Spoiler alert. I don't know, he doesn't say anything. He just plays the Russian spy. You can see him, you never see him speak. Yeah, I don't know how to rate your recommendations for things that have Patrick Stewart in them, though, because your last one was bloody Excalibur. Oh, Excalibur's brilliant. Oh, shut up, you. Don't you start. Are you sure? Classic film. Classic film. I, I, oh. I, I honestly do not know how you didn't like Excalibur. JJ, can you come back? <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, JJ probably hasn't seen it, which, to be fair, for that one, JJ, keep it that way. What, 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 what didn't you like about it, Scott? Oh, it was... Uh, oh, it was just so bad. It was directed by John Boorman. How is it bad? It's an absolute classic. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like, I've watched that. Those three hours or two hours, or it felt like a week, I could have used for so many other things. Yeah. And it's just part of my life I'm never going to be able to get back. Flabbergasted. Say that again, Stuart. No, I'm, f- I'm flabbergasted. See, Stuart's <laughs> flabbergasted as well. <laughs> Classic. Uh, this is the same response that I got from my friend who made me watch it. He was also flabbergasted that I didn't like it. It's, it's like, according to some people on IMDb, <laughs> the best theatrical retelling of the Arthurian legend, largely based on Manoris Lamotte de Arthur. So there you go, there's Sunday. It's like a beautiful translation of a legend into sound and light. See, that's the thing for me. The sound and the light in that film is absolutely beautiful. You've got... Yeah, but they've not got much competition, have they? They've got animals pretending to be King Arthur by Disney, or you've got Bloody First Night. <laughs> There's not much competition for it to be the best. 
I'd rather watch blooming Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail. I mean, the cinematography, that, when the film starts off, it starts off having that fight at night, and Merlin's there, and mm. Uther Pendragon gives them the request, and everything's dark and dull because the, the king and the land are, are dark, the king and the land are struggling. And Merlin prematurely gives Pendragon Excalibur, and he's not ready for it. And of course, the land, the land doesn't flourish. The land doesn't flourish. So the lighting is all bad. Nothing is green. Everything is dark. Everything's autumnal, winter-like, the way they light it. And then when Arthur comes along and gets Excalibur out of it, the lighting changes almost immediately. Everybody's armour is suddenly really shiny and silvery. They use green a lot because green is such a hopeful colour. The way the light and the, the back, the way the backlight, uh, Merlin all the time. Every time you see Merlin, he's backlit. Every time Merlin appears in a scene, he sort of walks onto the screen. You have to watch it come to He walks onto the screen, he says it's peace, and then he walks off again. And while the other actors are doing stuff, and you don't notice, you don't notice them coming into the screen, you don't know, notice them going out. It's just absolutely brilliant filmmaking. And of course, you've got Wagner's soundtrack. It's that scene at the end where Percival throws the sword back to the watery tar in the water, and he does it to Siegfried's funeral march, is absolutely stunning. It's cinematic, it's absolutely fantastic. If it doesn't get the hair stand up on the James, are you dead? You must be dead. I'm feeling that way. No. Um, honestly. I was at Vegas one time and someone actually stood up when we were having what was up in one of the rooms and they were asking what Patrick Stewart's best film rooms were. So people were going for Excalibur. So there. Now, the best thing I've ever seen Patrick Stewart in is Waiting for Godot with Ian McKellen. It's not a film, but they did it really well on stage. <laughs> it was really good. You should check out Death Train. Death Train. I will write that down yes. under For All Mankind on my list. It's got Patrick Stewart and Pierce Brosnan. Oh. It's based on an Alistair McLean. Does Pierce Brosnan sing? No. No, then, basically... then that's all right. He's basically pre-bond bond. I think I heard this girl from I think It's not bad. I will add it to my list of things that I might at some point watch. I'm currently watching uh War of the Worlds on Disney Plus, which is quite good. So who's one? No, no, they've done a TV oh, series. Oh, I want to be Gabriel Bond. I have no idea. It's got people in it, but they're very good. I have to. But I don't know who they are. Did anybody watch Loki yet? Uh, I've only watched episode one, so if you've watched Not episode yet. two, no spoilers, please. But I, I loved it. It was very Orwellian. Did you say you hadn't watched it, Stuart? I haven't seen it yet. Right, so that just means that I won't give you any 
spoilers because it's worth well, a watch. I've watched, I've saw, I saw watched episode two yesterday. And I think it's looking I've been impressed, I was quite impressed with one division, I was quite impressed with with a soldier and the Falcon. I struggled oh. getting into Winter Soldier. I, I enjoyed one division after I'd managed to fight my way through the first couple of episodes, which just did nothing for me because I don't want to watch a copy of Bewitched. What I liked about Falcon was I think it was a good bridge between Endgame and obviously the next Captain America film with Sam as Captain America. Mm. I, I don't think you could have had him in that role without this basically anointing of him as being mm. basically Captain America. I think it was really well done. Well, a lot of the story was about him struggling with the mm-hmm. accepting it, uh, the responsibility yeah. and everything that came along with it, um, which was quite interesting. It's a podcast, they don't know. You could have well, pretended. Gigi, Gigi wears a, a cap. So, Gigi, what did, uh, what did you think of the Falcon Soldier? I don't know, I haven't seen it. Um, no, I'm just looking round. I don't have a cap here I can stick on either. So, but yeah, I think they're doing wonderful things. James Hyde is doing great. It's pretty clever. And you know what? He's a Star Trek fan. It makes me so angry. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's um, the inspiration for Endgame was for all good things. I had that. And he copied Star Trek Six. He's been, been this is again this is he went on record as saying the inspiration for Endgame is for all, all good things. And when they had all the actors signing off, he says he stole that from Star Trek Six. So clearly a Star Trek fan. Why does that annoy you? This is not done in Star Trek. Oh, okay. Fair play. I'll also go on record. To say that you don't need to like Star Trek to write good Star Trek. You don't need to be a Star Trek fan to write good Star Trek. Nicholas. Oh, t- to write yeah. it? Sorry, I thought you said to no, like to, it. Uh, that makes more sense. Nicholas Meyer wasn't a Star Trek fan. Michael Pillar wasn't a Star Trek fan. Ira Stephen Bear wasn't a Star Trek fan. They had people who were, you know, Ron D. Moore, Brian Braga. Manny Koto towards the end were all Star Trek fans, but not, you know, a lot of senior people weren't Star Trek fans. So just no, no, you're, you're right. So, again, some salacious YouTubers and podcasters out there insist that you have to be a Star Trek fan. No, you don't. Yeah, but these are the same people who go on about the sanctity of canon when canon changes seven times during most seasons of any Star Trek. Uh, I have a point. I don't think there's any sense in building a universe if you're going to completely destroy that universe. Um, oh, no, no. I, I agree with that, but the making 
small changes to fit the narrative is what Star Trek has been doing since the 60s. Mm. Occasionally, sometimes it gets a little bit. Not always. Um, so, like, you know, telekinetic powers in Vorta or Trill mysteriously looking very different just because and the way that symbionts work in the next generation being very different because you can apparently put one in Riker and that's fine. Uh, who put one in Riker? Dr. Crusher. Crusher. Crusher put one in Riker. Yes. But it didn't work that well. What was that episode called? The Pagan? <laughs> the host, I think it was. She put a trill oh, in Riker. Oh, I completely got the wrong idea there. <laughs> Well, I bring that thing. That's got an episode description. Should do one in right <laughs> That's not a dude. Cindy, we still don't talk to this And and like Ferengi run around in furs, cracking whips at people, being like these weird primitive warlike creatures and then it turns out that actually they're basically Goldman Sachs of the Star Trek universe. Uh yeah, the electric whips. The Iron Man or not not Iron Man, who was the Iron Man the guy in Iron Man too. I don't remember. Okay, whiplash. Whiplash, yeah. Whiplash. Yeah, were, were those for the whips from T A G season one that he had. Yeah. So Tweaking things for narrative purposes is not an issue. But you've said before that you, it's like you didn't have an issue with um, Burnham being Spock's sister, no. and because that's <laughs> that's just fine. Um, yeah, let's not change the fundamental ways that the universe works, because that belittles what's gone before. But tweaks for canons uh, not tweaking anything for the sake of canon being this sacred thing that you can't alter is just a little bit ridiculous really I, mean, I think the, the other end of that is where they preserve it at the cost of storyline because the uh, episode of Discovery music to make the sadest man go mad uh, where they let you know the, the t- they let, uh, what's his face, Mud go with all the knowledge that he's got. Um, and it just like, because they paint themselves in a corner by using Mud in the first place. And then, of course, that, mm-hmm. that mistake's doubled down when you get to the end of season two, and this is where I think we are stretching canon too far. Where they say, all right, that's it, let's nobody talk about Discovery again. It's like the it's like it's like at Christmas dinner, where your old aunt or your old uncle or clan has said something really racist, and then you never talk about it. Don't talk about that ever again, you know. Well, it, it's not, is it? Because if you imagine Starfleet is a militaresque organization, um, things do get made classified. Things do get removed from records, locked away, so that nobody ever knows about it. That's not a massively uncommon practice in military circles. Yeah, in military circles, but Discovery's been all over the universe and um, what knows about it. This is the, the flaw. This is the flaw in the storytelling. 
more than the giant. This is the flaw of the storytelling. Mm. So it's just the spirit loses plausibility. If you're not enjoying something, you pick at it a lot more. Let's be honest. I've noticed. I'm born in the movie. Um, <laughs> you do pick at it a lot more. Oh, that's two warnings in a week. I got one off JJ on <laughs> Tuesday. Did you? Well, did you? You were there. Called? When I, when I changed his oh, name yeah. on the call, when he had his name as the boss, and I changed it to not the boss, and got read the riot act. How how did you see that? Because he's not seen DS thing. <laughs> so season three is the same day. I will get back on my mind. Season three is the same day. What did you think of the finale of the same? I'm going to have to remember what it was. It was that long since I watched it. Where Archer's zero hour. Archer's going on, yeah, he's going on the suicide mission, is it? Yeah, with uh, Hoshi and some Makos and Reeds there. That's right. Doesn't, is it the, is it the Suleban scene or the? No, that's in Shock, no, it's not Shockwave, um, Stormtrack. Oh, yeah, it's zero hour, it's that. Big magic ball heading towards yeah. Earth, isn't it? And Archer and Hoshi are trying to get it to blow up because she's deciphered the instructions yeah. how to make it implode. I can't believe it's not the Death Star. I remember now. Yeah, the episode can't believe it's not the Death Star. It says, why not? There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the Death Star? It's a mm. big spherical object flying towards a planet about to destroy it. It's very Death, Death Star. Star. But, you know, it's written by Rick Berman. I can't expect much. Well, the problem with Rick Berman's stuff is it was inconsistent and it was at its weakest when he tried to do some quite high concepts. Sometimes you got away with it and sometimes you didn't get away. Certainly in Voyager, he wrote way too many holiday stories in Voyager. I really like the holiday ones. Uh, <laughs> no, but you, you know my opinions on Rick Berman. They're not no, favourable. No, no, no. uh, well, I'm thinking Brandon Braga, actually. Forget, forget that. Forget JJ to keep that out of Save Man and Barrison. I'm thinking Brandon Braga. Uh, Brandon Braga had got too many holiday stuff and too many high concept stuff that didn't do. It wasn't Braga. The showrunner, season one and two. Sure. Not sure. Not sure. Of Enterprise. Brannon and Meg. Brannon and Meg. Brannon and Meg. Showrunners, that sure. Seasons one and two. Uh, he was the co creator of Enterprise along with Rick Berman. Um, left uh, Kenneth Biller to take over production of Voyager and he became Star Trek's number two man behind Berman um, I, I'm trying to read fast I mean remember quickly yeah that one yeah uh, it doesn't specifically say but I don't think they massively used the term showrunner back then did they really that feels like quite a new term um, so he probably was in everything but job title, if that makes yeah. sense. 
because up until things like Discovery came out when they were talking about Fuller and Fuller leaving and Kurtzman coming in, I'd never mm. really heard the term showrunner. So I've, I I might be wrong. I might just have missed it, but I don't think that that was a massively used term before then. Because, you know, Berman was the Führer, obviously. Um, and... I've yeah. definitely heard it in the context of one of the years when you can do Yeah. I haven't even managed to get through season one of Babylon 5 what? yet. Talk about tough to get through. My goodness. I'm trying. I've got the DVDs and I keep watching another episode and I've been assured. My partner keeps telling me, watch more. It gets really good. And I'm like, yeah, but season one's so I bad. Once then comes in, takes off. But yeah, apparently the guy who really annoys me in season one also annoyed most of the people who made Babylon 5 and mysteriously disappears at the end of season one, which I'm really looking forward to. I've just got to get through to that. Bit. Who's the commandant's not the head of the station in season one? Commander Sinclair. I can't remember what he's called. Jeffrey Sinclair. Oh, sure. It was uh, Commander Sorry, Jeffrey sure. Sinclair. Uh, it was Michael... Sinclair. Yes. Yeah, apparently, according to my partner, yes. that's when it gets better. But I've still got to carry on fighting my way through season one at the moment. Yeah. I, 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 watched, I, I enjoyed that one by the time. I haven't seen it in about 20 years, I have to say. But I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, uh, the, I find the special effects are so bad they ruin my uh, ability to suspend my disbelief it's a bit like you know the movies that come on sci-fi where the special effects are that bad that it just breaks you out of the fact that you're watching something uh, i find tng more believable special effects wise perhaps if you think of it in fact i find tos more believable special effects wise I think the tos special effects for the tv show in the 50s are amazing absolutely t TOS's effects aren't that bad that they break me out of the story and make me remember I'm watching a television program. What? Whereas I find season one of Babylon Five breaks me out of knowing I'm watching a TV show. Uh, bre breaks that, and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks really shit. But well, I mean, it wasn't CGI really at this time. Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you no. and I can make a special effect uh, using Adobe products. Well, have you, have you seen the um, opening to the Region 20's ass, um, nothing formal things that wow. he does? Oh, have you not? There's a little shuttlecraft flying across the capital cities of all the um, nations of Region 20, and I made that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've never actually joined any of those things, I love to see it. But if you think about it, right, if you go to the theatre, and see something like War Horse, okay? You're not yep. going to get a horse on the stage. You get this kind of wooden thing, aren't you? No, but there's no break but, but, in between. But that's a representation. 
So perhaps when you're watching older shows and that's your problem, you need to look at the special effects as not a replication or an artistic endeavour to you know, catch us on like a photograph. They are a representation of what is happening. If that was consistent, then I probably would be able to, which is probably why like the effects in TOS, for example, don't bother me. But let's take Warhorse, for example. If you're watching Warhorse and all of a sudden another horse came on stage, but it was one of those Chinese dragons, then that would break you out of... Do you know what I mean? Some things just don't sit right with everything else and they come in being wrong. And I think that's what snaps me out of it. Special effects of Star Wars are pretty shit when you watch Star Wars. I mean, I think it's not very good fun anyway in Kingston. But, um, liked it when... Yeah, but they're consistently shit, so that's fine. I mean, I liked it when I... They've not got good bits and bad bits, and that's what breaks it, I think. I think it's the inconsistency. Well, well I think on the snazziness Bohemian Lager, it's okay. Um, so little... Uh. I've drunk all my beer. So my other so my black question. So, um, Stuart, if I can ask you, um, what were you drinking when you were watching the Scotland England game last night? <laughs> the Scotland England game. Um, tears, tears, because you were losing. Um, I had a couple of cans of Carlsberg and a wee <laughs> malt whiskey. Mm. Okay. It's, um, Tam the villain or something? Some space side malt? Space yeah. side, is it? Like those ones, like the, the PT ones, they don't like I like them very much, but the space side ones are pretty cool. I was drinking a beer called Das is Techno Sex. <laughs> it's a new thing. It's quite similar, <laughs> actually. And also, I had. Did it leave a funny taste in the it back did, of your mouth? I, I, I had another one that was called Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. Believe it or not. But, uh, you probably don't have no idea what I'm referencing there, uh, James. Is it the song that you're yes, referencing? There's a beer called Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie now as well. Oh, there, there probably is. It's craft beer. There's all sorts of weird and wonderful yeah, names. There's a reason why there's never been in Scotland called Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. Yeah, oh, is there? Go on. Song. Is it official now? Uh, I thought that was Flower of no, Scotland. No, uh, the Fratellis have recorded it. Uh, so if you go, oh, official song for Euro yeah, 2020. the Fratellis have recorded it. It's the official song with all the nations going to the Tartan Army Children's Fund. Oh, that's cool. I don't think England have a song, or if they have, it's that crap I haven't heard of it. Yeah, Maybe I, I I work in radio. I'd like to think if they'd released one, I'd know yeah. about it. So, um... <laughs> Which one's fittest? Go on. Uh, you get the chance to have a roll in the hay with one flavour of Zindi. Which one are you picking? Uh, uh, I'll go for the, uh, the aquatics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You might need scuba gear, but you know. 
Did you know that all these ancient stories of serpents and sea monsters, a lot of that is whale penises? <laughs> the ancient what? stories from sailors of monsters, etc., a lot of it is whale's penises. If you Google, Google image, whale penises, you'll see what I mean. I can't believe I'm actually going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Whale penis images. Why am I doing this? Oh! That's why he's doing it. <laughs> oh! That's, um, a thing. Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? Yeah, no, I can see why people may think that they were some sort of sea creatures. Yeah, that's a thing that I wish I'd never seen. It reminds me of that old computer game, Gay of the, uh, Gay of the Tentacle? No, that's a different computer game. Day of the Tentacle. Day of the Tentacle, I like that. Yeah, it'd be a, be a good game. I'd play it. It'd still take me forever to find George Washington's teeth, regardless of which version it was. What? Sorry, that was a very in-detailed reference to a very old computer game. Yeah, but I'm not familiar with that one. I, I got stuck on a certain part where you had to go and find, I think it was George Washington's wooden teeth. I see. Interesting. Uh... I was aware that George Washington had wooden teeth. Well, it's all around the events of the Founding Fathers and stuff is um, Day of the Tentacle in one of the timelines because you jump backwards and forwards in time. Well, I'm just pouring my uh, hoppiness India beer wheel from uh, the Loch Ness movie. Is it not whale penis? It's not whale penis, although this, we've got this um, sort of modern graphic for the for the viewers listening on the radio, uh, you have this modern graphic of um, the lock which consists of squiggly black lines and the monster which is squiggly white line. Um, and it's described as uh, enjoyed by three thinkers and beer drinkers everywhere. So um, if the Lord has really wants to sponsor us because Brewdog haven't. Uh, feel free. Yeah, Brewdog are rubbish. I haven't even mentioned that I'm drinking Brewdog tonight because they haven't decided to send me a crate of beer. I'm most disappointed. Have I mentioned that the Brewdog Hotel that opened in Edinburgh is across the road from my office? You haven't, but you have now. So the Brewdog Hotel that opened in Edinburgh, presumably it's going to have a bar and restaurant in it as well. You didn't mention a Brewdog Hotel when we were talking about uh, places to eat and drink in Edinburgh the other yet. week. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about that. Uh, Stuart, are you going to DST? I think I'm 99% convinced myself I'm going, so yes. Yeah, well, I've, got, I've not booked my ticket yet, but I've got a hotel. James, you've got hotel and tickets, haven't you? Uh, no, I still haven't booked my tickets yet. The vouchers are still sat in my account. I need to actually remember right. to actually type the codes into the website and go, can has tickets, please? 
And then I'll have to book trains near the time because we can't book them yet because it's too yeah. far. Uh, yeah, so you like me, you've got the hotel, but not the, not the tickets. Yeah, because I booked the hotel when I was on the line with you because you were most upset that I used my um, membership card to get it for like 30% less yeah, than what you paid. <laughs> and then I had points as well. <laughs> so I used them. And no. Greg is like, it was 400 and something pounds. And I'm like, oh, I've only just paid 300. Not happy. Not happy. <laughs> so, I was. I'm going to write the hotel staff Whenever you're in the room, the television can't be switched on and it's playing Excalibur full blast. <laughs> That's all right. I'll just flash my gold card and get you kicked out. It's not a problem. Flash, oh, flash your gold card, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked away a lot in 2019 and learned a lot of points and got a gold card. <laughs> yeah. What can I something I don't do anymore thanks to keys? I hated it. Living in a hotel is not my idea of fun. So, yeah, so uh, I think there's a fair few of us going down by the sense of things so far, Stuart. Cool. Yeah, it should be a good weekend. Even if I do have to go to London. But it's fine. I've, I've, I've told my boyfriend that he's coming and he agreed. And then I told him that I am going to see a show one night whilst I'm in London, and he didn't say no, so I'm taking that as agreement. Yeah, that's, we have a five. We have what's called a five-second rule on our teams meetings. Like if somebody doesn't say anything for five seconds, that's it. Motion is carried. Um, yeah. So, what well, have you thought about tickets? Sure. Can you ticket people again? See, I'm not too sure. I went to DST a few years ago when it was in Birmingham, and I'm. Uh, I think I just got a day ticket, so I'm not sure if you get another day ticket or get one of the higher price package ones yet. So I'm kind of up in the air at the moment. Yeah, I'm just, I think we're all just going for the base package. That's what I'm, going for. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to pay extra for talks or anything. Mm. So I think a lot of them are probably certainly the actors. A lot of them are probably seen kind of seen some stories playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only talk I went to see at the last DST was the talk that Patrick Stewart did about um, Picard. Because we didn't know much about Picard at that point, and it was a chance to find stuff out about Picard. So other than that one, I don't pay to go to the talks. Mainly because I don't want to sit and... We uh, we were meant to be in Vegas for... Where we announced the card. Mm. And I had had uh, my eye operation. So I wouldn't have been allowed to fly. Uh, yeah. And then um, it's the Saturday night. We're sitting, Sarah and I are sitting in our, our kitchen, having a glass of wine and something to eat. We've both got our phones on the table. And next thing, Facebook, Facebook live on us, and I'm like, 
because Pat Stewart wasn't meant to be in Vegas this year. And I'm like, uh, Patrick Stewart's on the stage at Vegas. So I knew something was going on. And I was like, oh, fuck, I missed it. <laughs> you can't plan for no, things like no. that, though, can you, sir? So, have we exhausted the symptoms? Yeah, probably. Maybe. No, we haven't. We've hardly talked about it. But that's normal. That's what people expect. That's what both of our listeners like, both Stuart and the guy in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Or Ian and Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's good. So, Stuart, why can you tell us where we can find you on social media? You can find me on all the socials. I am at Darth Emerus. Um, I wanted a username that nobody else had, so I combined Star Wars, obviously, with the Darth part, and Star Trek basically took Emissary and changed the letters, so I came with Emerus. So, you can find me all over the place as at Darth Emerus. Emissary. Mm-hmm. That's a Deep Space Nine episode, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. Okay. JJ, what did you think of that episode of DS9? No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Actually, he has seen that he one. He has seen that. He watched that. He watched that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In JJ's defence, he he's seen that, that one. Me, so. <laughs> so, and uh, James, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Familiton. What about yourself, Bigger? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Ginger, having rants about anything and everything. And uh, it's been a pleasure, guys. Let's say thank you, Stuart, for joining us today. We'll have to get you back along sometime. Um, no problem. Thanks for yes, having thank me. you for coming. And, uh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And, and, and you are the walking people <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah. He's either got a really good memory or he can type faster yeah, than I can. Yeah, it's very impressive either way, really. that's the thing. So yeah. So uh we'll catch you guys next week and um oh just lastly, uh congratulations <laughs> to Scotland once more. Uh, or congratulations to England. What was a draw? Uh, what was a draw? Oh, what was a draw? Yeah. Um yeah, it's a draw. <laughs> it was a draw on Friday. That mean, and we got a point each. Well so done. Friday, this episode is going out on Tuesday, so that means it's all to play for tonight, folks. Can Scotland make the next round? So live long, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Wrong finger. There we go. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>